Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are speaking with Andrea Johnson. Andrea is an empowerment and leadership coach, and she is the host of The Intentional Optimist, which is a beautiful podcast that I was able to be a guest on last year. She is all things women's empowerment, and this is not fluff. This is such, you know, we hear the word empowerment, and so often I don't think it is really given the anchor that it has and the meaning that it has. Andrea is such a beautiful example of this. So her work is in equipping and empowering female leaders to step away from cultural expectations trust their own ability to think critically, create imaginatively, and lead effectively. She helps strong women uncover their voice and embrace their story while staying true to their spiritual compass. Andrea uses her own personal growth philosophy and plan, intentional optimism, to teach and coach, and it provides the framework for how we do what we do. It's the attitudes, the mindsets we employ and embody to live out our own goals and dreams with excellence. She does an incredible job of sharing her personal story of childhood obesity, bulimia, and depression, early menopause, gastric bypass surgery, and even adoption. They're all threads in the lovely tapestry of her journey that she shares with us today. This is honestly such a beautiful, heartfelt episode with so many actionable steps in it to help you create change and really to empower you to see what is possible in your story and in your journey. You're absolutely going to love Andrea. Welcome to the show today, Andrea. How are you? I am well. How are you today? I'm great. We've actually spent a lot of time in each other's world these last <laughs> couple of weeks. So yes, I'm excited to have you here. We're like new besties. <laughs> We're like new besties <laughs> that have not met, which is like half of my, I swear to God, my world is all these people that I've met from all over the world, yeah, but have never met in person. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I do too. I do too. So where are you from? Oh, where am I from? Okay, where am I? I am in sh- near Charlottesville, Virginia. And mm-hmm. um, so this is where the University of Virginia is. It's a beautiful kind of political formations of the United States here between the three presidential homes of our founders. And But it's lovely right next to the Blue Ridge Parkway. Beautiful, beautiful. But that is yeah. not actually where you're from from, is it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's a super long story. <laughs> I was telling somebody the other day, I've, I've lived in 17 different places. Um, yeah. But the short version of that is my dad was a pastor and then a missionary. And I was born in East Texas. Then we moved to Wyoming for him to pastor. And then my parents went on the mission field in Seoul, Korea. So I was raised all my formative years and... Um, 
in, in Seoul, Korea, in an international community. So I consider myself a third culture kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but Texas was home for ages. And I had my grandparents' address and phone number memorized as my per- permanent number. You know, if you have ever lived with a permanent residency anywhere, you know what that means. It's like in, in the United States, you have to have a green card. We had our little residence permit that we had in Korea. But um, met my husband in Texas. I've done some time in California. And I mean, I've lived in California. I didn't actually do time. Um, and, <laughs> and then did quite a few years in the Baltimore area. And we've been here for 11. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. I knew you had such a, a moving backstory where you were in mm-hmm. so many different places. Um, so there's a lot of things in your story, who you are, and I love that you're an empowerment and leadership coach, okay, mm-hmm. speaker and trainer. Can you do a quick intro of what does that mean? We're going to go back into your story, but what does that mean, an empowerment and leadership coach? Well, to be empowered means that you have the confidence and the ability and the resources to do what you need to do. To be a leadership coach means that I actually train other people, especially women, to lead in the way that they've been designed to do. So when I coach with women, I work to give them the confidence, the resources, and the um, the training that they need to be able to lead in the specific way that they've been designed to do. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And we actually had an early conversation before we started recording where we were talking about leadership. So when it comes to women and leadership, what is... I know this is a very broad question, but what is one of the things that stop women in leadership that maybe they play too much in their head? They don't step into the role that they actually can do. Or what are some of their thoughts on leadership? Oh, there's so many answers there. Um, I'm going to say the number one thing for, in my experience, because I know you're a storytelling business coach and we speak from our experience and we'll get into my story a little bit, but I'm a Gen X woman, right? I am just right in the, the, just in on Gen X. And I have found that for women of my generation, the one of the biggest things that holds us back is that we weren't a man. And um, and I, I don't think we consciously see that, but you know, go all the way back to the Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin movie nine to five. Women were in the United States, especially, have been kind of painted in this supportive role. And so being a woman who is a leader is very difficult to do without other stigmas coming along with that. I work almost exclusively with millennial women who I loved to watch break out of that, you know, role or break out of that. Um, But they still have some of that. They still have a piece of that because we're their parents Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we are the ones who taught that to them. I'm learning a lot about generational stuff, but I think it's very important for women to realize that we are made differently than men. We are wired differently than men. And there is nothing anywhere that's actual, real, or true that says that we can't lead in our own way without having to be like a man. Oh, God. I love that you said that. I absolutely love that you said that. <laughs> no, I do because I, I, I'm i sure we, again, we have spoken a lot off of podcast time too. And, but I, I'm sure we're in this space of seeing like, and recognizing like we are building proof every single day. There are women creating businesses, income, impact that we didn't even see two years ago, three years ago. Like it's right. Isn't that something that's just there's proof around us if we are looking for it. 
I call it disconfirming evidence, right? It's Mm -hmm. those things that disprove those beliefs that we've had. And that's not my term. It's just a really good one. I like <laughs> I've conscripted that from other, you know, coaching and psychological uh, understanding world. Um, it's disconfirms the things that we thought we knew. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a really simple scale, that could be um, somebody treating us in a way that we didn't expect them to treat us, right? That's a disconfirming piece of evidence. It says, mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute, they treated me nicely. I expected them to be rude. And it's, I love when the disconfirming evidence is really positive. Every once in a while, it's negative. Um, We thought things were going to be easier for us. We thought it was going to move faster. And then we just discovered that it doesn't. But I do think that the pandemic, global pandemic, has been a little bit of a reset button for women. Mm -hmm. And I started my podcast kind of in the middle of it, um, right before um, when did I start it? Two years ago. So what are we, 2020? I did. And as a matter of fact, my story for that is I was, we were working at home instead of at the office and I was out weeding my garden on a break and I had a podcast in my ears and as a speaking coach. And she said, is podcasting your next stage? And I stood up and I said, no one in particular. I said, yes. <laughs> Just looking around. I said, yes, it is. And um, she has since been on my podcast. I like her a lot. And um, but being able to say, wait a minute, this is a way that I can reach women that I didn't think I could do before. And this is an opportunity for women as we break out of the pandemic into an endemic. The world is different. We get to see it differently. We are on the cusp of something really great Mm. to see women, not just in businesses, but in politics, really, really taking big steps. I mean, we have a a brand new prime minister in Great Britain again and a female prime minister. And we have a female in the the vice president seat here in the United States. So uh, for us, that was a kind of a big deal. And um, seeing how women can lead in new and different ways with the new paradigms, I think is really helpful. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I couldn't agree more. I think that there's so much room for women in leadership, but like big leadership roles too. Mm-hmm. And I I do think that we could be in a situation where we have different experiences than what we are seeing right now if we had more women in mm-hmm. some of those roles. I realize well, that is a very this- big thing to say, but you know, I can, we get to say things like my dream would be to coach the next female president of the United States. My dream would be to coach the next female Elon Musk. My, you know, those are my dreams. And if you go to my website, it says tomorrow's empowering tomorrow's leaders today. Mm -hmm. The goal is to build systems in place, build um, mentoring systems in place. We may or may not be at a place where we're ready to have formal systems in place that are going to help women succeed. We have to build them ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to do this in a way that we can do it. And if it's through global networks, if it's through um, mentoring programs, if it's through social services, I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or all of the above. I think Mm -hmm. that it's really smart. Um, Another phrase that I like to use is I help you think critically in order to create imaginatively, to lead effectively. Because if we're not, and that's the, and that may be my number two thing for women, especially in the culture that I was raised in, Southern kind of evangelical conservative um, culture, is that women were not taught to think critically. 
Mm-hmm. We just were not. We were not taught to evaluate the information that comes in our brains. And, you know, I'm sure there are some amazing women listening to this podcast that would say, Andrea, I've always done that. <laughs> well, awesome. Teach it's the rest, right? Yeah. Teach everybody else because it's not as common as you think. But once we can kind of examine what comes in our brains, mm-hmm. then we can think outside the box like we always do because there's not a mama out there. There's not a single woman out there that hasn't come up with a creative solution to something. Mm-hmm. And then we can use that ability to think critically and create and then to lead because that's what we need. That's the formula, I think, for females leading in the next generation. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Is this the work you have always done or is this the work you have been called to do? More this up. is the work I have been called to do. Okay. The work I had always done was trying to fit into that framework that I am now breaking out of. Mm. That framework of, um, you know, our moms were given the opportunity to be a, a nurse or a school teacher or, and my mother, a secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, it, if you want, we can get into my mother's story, uh, which is very inspirational for me. But um, I kind of did that myself. I went to college. I toyed around with a music business degree, but it was still a business degree. Um, and I became an administrative assistant and then another administrative assistant. And then I finally had in in a, a university setting a physician who said, you could do so much more than this. I'm like, oh, and, you know, went to do that all along toying around with entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and um, didn't know that I really needed to be an entrepreneur. Um, Mary Kay, Amway, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, just looking at those things, but finally getting into something in, in my jobs with a little more leadership, never feeling satisfied and realizing finally, when I started managing people, I don't want to manage people. That's not fun right? Managing people to me is holding people down and um, it doesn't need to be. There are some amazing managers and leaders out there. And that's one reason why I love working in teams because Mm -hmm. teaching women or other managers how to have um, the ability to lead their people to grow, even if it means growing out of their organization um, rather than holding them down. But when you're thrown into a very large organization, like a university medical center, where they have a lot of people from the town that are just there to punch a clock mm-hmm. and learning how to, if that's you and that's what fulfills you and everything else is outside of work, yeah. that's great. You're just not my client. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and quite frankly, you are not my employee because I was going nuts doing that. And so what I learned was I just really preferred to help people who wanted to grow. And I sat in, in front of the TV when I deposited to my husband, I said, I just want to help people. Is that a job? <laughs> And um, he just looked at me and he said, I'm not sure. And of course he's in ministry. He's a pastor. So that's what he does all the time. Mm -hmm. But in my circles, women were not really, are not really allowed to do that either. So um, unless it's just like on a volunteer basis. And so I just felt very hemmed in until I discovered this ability to say, oh, I could coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I could use the desire to speak. Um, I've literally, I have stories of my seventh grade science teacher throwing his chalkboard eraser at me because I was chatting too much, but it was because I was curious about the people around me and using the ability. I'm not afraid to speak. 
doesn't scare me to get up in front of people unless I just really don't know what I'm going to say. And that's usually because I'm trying to say somebody else's thing. If I got my thing to say, I'm fine. And you know that as a, as a coach for people who speak and, um, just finally saying, these are the things that I'm really good at. How can I make this a business? And a friend introduced me to coaching and to maximal leadership. And I said, you know, I think this could be the ticket. And that's how that's so I feel more called into this and the more deeper I get into it, the more deeper, the more deep my call becomes. That's beautiful. I love how you just how you shared um, in there. How was it a doctor who you were working for as an administrative mm-hmm. assistant who said this? And the reason that I think it is important is that there's always points in our life when we actually borrow belief from someone else until we yes. actually see it. Right. We we have that moment where it's like, thank you for believing in me. I mean, because mm-hmm. I actually I, I guarantee you I wouldn't be what I'm doing today if I hadn't mm-hmm. borrowed from somebody. And I can even think off the top of my head, like four or five people that I borrowed from because they would say something and I'm like, really? And then there was a part of me that went, you know what? Actually, that excites me. I don't know what that means yet, but mm-hmm. it excites me because it was 2015 when somebody said to me you should write your book. And I'm like, I'm not, are you crazy? Like I'm not writing a book. And then it just, it just continued to transpire. So I think it's beautiful because I think this is a piece of it. Like we learn to lead ourselves and then we can continue to pour that belief into others to Mm -hmm. continue to rise up more and more leaders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, he said that to me because he actually did my yearly evaluations and he's now a big, Dudop and uh, university in New York. And, um, but he said, literally it was Andrea could do so much more. Andrea could do like three or four evaluations. So when I finally started, I took a little bit of a job bump with him. And then when I finally started looking and I actually was being offered another job, I sat down with him. I said, you know, all those times you said I could do so much more. And he goes, Oh no. Oh, are you actually going to go? (laughs) Yeah. And, but it was in a good way. And he, but he was like, no, no, no. This is fabulous. I am so glad for you. And I think he was one of those people that helped me see that a lot of these jobs that we put people in, they are, and I started telling people this, these are launching pad jobs. These are not landing pad jobs. I mean, if you're a first-time employee and you're 58 or 60 and you get a pretty good administrative assistant job and you want to retire in five years, maybe it's a landing page job for you Mm -hmm. or landing pad job. But most people who come into these these roles are are not. They're they're people who should be growing and excelling and figuring out what their strengths are. And I think we do them a terrible disservice by wanting them to stay where they are. Mm-hmm. And this idea that we need to have long-term employees where they're committed to this organization until they die from the age of 21 to 65 is nuts. Yeah. I mean, unless you can actually create opportunities for those people to grow and to flourish. Otherwise, all you want is automated cogs in your wheel. Mm-hmm. And then I think we need to look at the culture of the organization. And that's and that's kind of, so that's now where I'm kind of headed. I'm working with local organizations here. And um, now that we can open back up and doing a little bit of coaching in their management so that, and, you know, watching them flourish. And because that's the purpose is to have everybody flourish. I love that. I love that. You are, I mean, obviously very optimistic, very, I can see it. You can hear it in all of these. (laughs) (laughs) You can, and it's beautiful. Were you always that way? Yes. 
Um, I've always been a very sunny person. Um, you know, I geek out on personality types. Um, I am a DISC consultant, which is behavioral analysis and communications and leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's the different types. And I score out really high on the influencer spot. So um, for me, being outgoing and kind of seeing optimistically the way things could be, I'm very good at that. Um but there's a shadow side to that. I also can see the way things will be or can be if we don't make the changes. Mm -hmm. And I can get my hopes dashed because I have expectations that were never met. So um, younger Andrea was a lot more sunny, um, but it didn't take long. Um, that's part of my story is that I very early on realized that my expectations were never going to be met. And the way I managed those was through food. And I developed bulimia um, at a very young age and put myself in the hospital for bulimia and depression in between my, after my second year of college and um, turned 20 <laughs> in, in a 12 week program. But I'd started getting tools there to figure out what I needed to do. Um, and the more I learned about myself, the more I realized, okay, I actually have a pretty complex personality, which who doesn't, right. but at the same time, part of that is, um, in Myers-Briggs, I am the martyr. I am the one who will go all out for the cause mm -hmm. and, um, but I have to believe in it. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm still very, um, encouraging. Like I, and I call myself a professional encourager because, even if I can't make it happen, I want other people to make it happen. So I'm very invested in other people. But it wasn't until my mother was diagnosed with cancer back in, gosh, 2005 um, or 2003. Um, and it was, you know, I worked for the Johns Hopkins Oncology Center at the time. So oh. it was it was very um, helpful to have her see physicians there. They were just down in Richmond, Virginia, and we were just up in Baltimore. So it wasn't far. But traditionally, she was outside that circle of them being able to see breast cancer patients, just because there's so many. <laughs> and breast cancer is fortunately one that we've been studying for a really long time. And there are fabulous places all over the place. And in Richmond, fab MCV down there with VC was really, really good. But um, it was a, a blessing and a um, gift to me that she was able to come up for surgery and be seen by one of my oncologists. I worked in medical oncology and um, we learned that she did need standard of treatment and she survived 17 years. Um, so she had a long fight <laughs> with cancer, but throughout that period, I started learning other things about myself. I started uh, at the time I was 310 pounds and I realized I needed to figure out a better way to manage my own emotions and to take care of my own things. Mm -hmm. And so I made the choice. We talk about choices here to have gastric bypass surgery. And that was pretty drastic. Um, I like to say there are ways that we self-sabotage and there are ways that we stop that. And one of them is something drastic. There are several ways that we can stop it, but one of them is doing something drastic and as someone who's dealt with substance abuse in your family, you know, there are ways to do that yeah. drastically and ways to not do it drastically. Yeah. But I knew for myself that if I didn't have a really specific and strong tool, I would never be able to conquer this aspect. And so I went through counseling. Um, I 
I actually spent seven and a half years on antidepressants. Mm -hmm. And um, so no, my, I was not always sunny, but I always had that hope. And some of that is my faith. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think some of that was even the incongruence with my faith because of, you know, that's where some of my, my struggles came in. Um, But it wasn't until my mother got closer to death. I turned 50. That was a big year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I turned 50. Um, we put my mother in hospice, you know, when it starts metastasizing everywhere, you just need to be kind. She fought that she was quite the warrior. Um, and having her take those last few months and actually get really specific on the things that she wanted to make sure I knew to make sure, um, I understood we all, everybody says, you're not going to have the regret at the end that you um, spent too much time with your family. You're going to have the regret that you worked too hard. Well, right. we also have regrets for things we don't say. We have regrets for things that, um, or, or attitudes that we've fostered. And she just, she was a, an incredible woman of faith. And she got really clear at the end about the things that she wanted to make sure I knew. And the phrase she kept using was fly, be free because she could tell I was kind of caged. And um, so I used the butterfly as an example for a long time, but um, once you do that, you're out. And I don't think that's perfect as, as an analogy or a metaphor, because that means I just have to keep doing this chrysalis thing over and over. <laughs> um, so being able to look at the awkwardness and the um, gawkiness and the beauty of the flamingo has kind of been my personal analogy to be able to say they don't fit in everywhere, mm-hmm. but they always stand out and they're always beautiful. If you get up really close, they're very fierce. We had an opportunity to do that. And those beaks are really amazingly strong. Um, but being able to live through that, watch her die with dignity, um, with courage, um, and I'm just not going to say beauty because I just don't think that this beautiful. I'm one of those people. Um, and um, because I don't think that's what we were designed to do. Uh, I think it is part of the cycle now. But uh, I do believe that watching her die in a courageous way was inspiring to me to stop where I was and to say, this is no longer who I need to be. And if anybody was sunny, it was my mom. She was the his, historically understood sanguine, if you know that word. Um, I I use the um, analogy of a champagne bottle, right? Mm-hmm. Judy walks in the room and, and it was like all the bubbles. Oh, now she know. needed to recharge, but she was the champagne at every party. Everybody, like, I mean, just like on Cheers, when she walked in the room, it was like, you know, and losing her helped me see I'm not going to have anybody like that in my life to recharge me. What did she do for other people? I need to be more intentional. Here comes that word. I need to be more intentional about how I share hope, mm-hmm. about how I share beauty and goodness and how I share um, encouragement. And so that it, I went into about a two-year kind of journey and search for what that would mean for me. And that's how I came up with intentional optimism. Mm, I love, I was actually going to go circle back to, thank you for sharing everything that you just shared, because it really is like, we all know there's always a backstory. There's always a process. There's always a learning. 
And um, I appreciate you sharing everything that you did. And I do want to circle back to something in there first, but I do want to ask you intentional. I, I, I intentional is one of my favorite words because it's a, good one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good one. So I want to know what your, your meaning of intentional is. It's to do something with a, a reason behind it. Mm. I don't do anything without a reason. Somebody, I, I used to, as I would walk down the hall, you know, in university medical settings or administrative settings, you always dress professionally, right? And I'm a fan of a good heel. And the more I lost, the more I lost weight, I got really, really excited about pretty shoes and because my feet could handle it. And so people could hear me, you know, coming down the, the hall. And it was like, you walk with such purpose, right? It's like, Knowing where you're going, having the end in mind, you know, it's, is it Cubby that says beginning with the end in mind? Um, That's what intentional means to me. I don't do anything for no reason. If it's like, I have a reason. Um, If it's being optimistic, I have a reason for being optimistic. If it's being courageous or wise, there's a reason behind all of it. Mm -hmm. And then intentional wraps all of that together. It does. And I'm going to tie it back to one of your first words that you said, because it just hit something for me is intentional, pardon me, doing something without a reason behind it. And to do something without a reason behind it means that you're doing something without expectations and expectations are, was one of the things you had to work through at a young age. Yeah. 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 Um, and managing your expectations too. I mean, it's being able to say, this is something that I want to do. This is something that I need to do. Um, and sometimes those decisions come quickly. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. Um, sometimes they take a long time, but either way, I'm whatever I'm doing, you can, and, and uh, honestly, in entrepreneurial sense, there are things that we do to throw spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks. But in general, especially in a leadership situation, figuring out, making a plan and doing it. And even if the intention is to help someone grow or to help myself grow, and then you're figuring things out, the intention is always there. You know why you're doing something. And that helps you manage your expectations. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I, because I believe deep down expectations are something that actually don't help us because we attach so much meaning to oh, sure. like what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to come about that. I think it can even taint how we show up. It can taint our intentions for how we show yes. up. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It, you show up with the energy of expecting something mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and that just... It yeah. happens so much um, where I have seen women, and I'm just going to pick on women for a second, is where I have seen this is people have come into the space, we're working together, and they're like, this person doesn't show up for me the way that I expect them to. This person isn't doing what I need. This person isn't listening. And I'm like, okay, so all of that is expectation-based. Then I bring it into, all right, let's chat about you and yourself. How are you showing up for yourself? What are you taking responsibility for? What are you doing? Because if we only shoot for that validation of what we expect everyone else should be doing for us, then like we're never, we we will never get there. That's not a, that's not even a measuring thing to measure against. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the things, one of the reasons I love DISC is because it helps us recognize patterns in other people. Mm -hmm. It helps us recognize patterns in ourselves and patterns in other people. And um, even this morning, something happened and I'm like, oh, that's right. 
she's a this, <laughs> and that's how she communicates and behaves. And I'm a this, and I need to meet her where she is. I don't need to expect her to be me because mm-hmm. she's not. And I need to adjust what I'm doing in order to meet that situation in a way that will um, keep me in integrity, right? That will keep me in a place of, I can give my best to that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, even as something as simple as billing a client. I didn't think about the fact that the client I was billing was what we call a D, a driver. It's like the very bottom line, do it right now. And I was sending her individual invoices for all these different th- pieces that she was putting together because I don't mind. I like the details, right? And she's like, I'm like, why is she behind? And she's like, can you send me just one invoice with everything on it? And I'm like, oh, you know, total hand to the forehead thing because it was like, I didn't even, here I am a disc consultant. I didn't even think about the fact that she's a high D and it didn't even occur to me that I need to send her a monthly invoice so that she can pay one because that's all she wants to do. So just understanding other people or even being able to recognize in other people. And, uh, you know, your framework too is, um, letting them own their stuff and me own my stuff mm-hmm. makes it makes a difference. Those that's how you and you know we can talk about whether or not managing expectations is an actual thing, but it means that I don't expect anything from them that they can't give. Yeah, and I think that can save us a tremendous amount of energy and frustration yes. when we learn how to do that. Yes, I definitely I have never done the disc, so I have no idea where I am. Oh, so we you should probably have an idea, up. but I will definitely look it up. But I, I I have no idea, no idea whatsoever. Yeah, well, we'll take so, care of that. All right, I will. Actually, <laughs> and I was going to say, is there a link I can put in the show notes for people yes, if they yes. want mm-hmm. to learn more? I don't. I think that's mm-hmm. a good idea because this also comes back to a conversation that we have had multiple times, and it is a conversation I have with clients is that sometimes we are constantly, especially in this entrepreneur entrepreneur space, trying to um, find the best strategy, the best program, the best thing to help us, you know, take our business to the next level, whatever that is. And I mean, I believe in mentorship 100%. I'm 100% behind the right mentorship, making decisions for the right reasons, not from a lack space, um, but really in that space. But what can happen sometimes is, is that we get so, when people ask me, what do I need to do next? And I'm like, well, how can you learn more about yourself? Mm -hmm. How can you learn more about yourself? How can you learn what maybe your strengths are that you didn't even know you had? Or how can you learn how to um, get support with areas that aren't your strengths? I don't even like the word weakness, but getting getting support. I don't know. I don't like it. So it's, it's interesting because I'm always like, well, what can I do to learn more about myself? And it's never to put myself in the box. It's to learn more about myself, to learn how I interact. So I think this is an interesting conversation when it comes to leadership, as we were saying before we even started to record, is one of the things that's so important is understanding, like, how are you leading yourself on a daily basis? Because... Right. And if it's not at all, if you're looking at it going, oh my God, I'm not leading myself at all right now. I've, does that mean I have no business doing a business? No, that's not what we're no. saying. You just but have I some want, work to do. <laughs> yeah, we all have. And and we all do, right? We, we all, all do. Right. hundred percent. So I would just love it if you have anything that you want to add now that you haven't added about leading ourselves and recognizing where, where are we falling short that we can improve on ourselves? You know, I do. Um, 
<laughs> I, I, lo- I have all kinds of things to share with you. First mm-hmm. of all, I will tell you, I have a, a free resource that's called a disc cheat sheet. And oh. it is um, something that you can, it's a little bit of a crosswalk. Are you familiar with what I mean yeah. by that? Yep. Like you can say, like gr- if a person's form. acting this way, yeah, it's quad, it's like uh, two columns. So if a person's okay acting this way, they're most likely this. Therefore, I would speak to them this way. And that's just the basics. But I will tell you in a local business here in Charlottesville, we put that up on the wall in the lunchroom. And within 15 minutes, they had figured each other out and quit fighting. And a lot of it is just owning who they are and owning who the other person is and making it okay. Because it's how you're wired. It has nothing to do with a moral or an ethical or whether or not you're lazy. And that's what was going on. And they were able to see that. So I do have the free resource. So that's really simple. I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, and then the other thing is the the DISC assessment itself is, um, this is something based in Maxwell leadership. And John Maxwell actually says, the first person you lead is yourself. And because if you can't look in the mirror and actually tell Andrea in the mirror what to do, and how to do it and hold myself accountable. I need help. Where do I go? Mm-hmm. The very next piece, I think, is awareness. If we don't have any awareness, and I think that's where we land as a culture, we are so busy do, do, doing. We have this Protestant work ethic of performance, 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 and we get very wrapped up in that and we don't look at what's underneath it and we don't look at why. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I mean, I literally shared a, a post recently with a client who just reading the 15 laws of invaluable, uh, invaluable laws of growth by John Maxwell. I worked through many, I, many of my clients. I worked through that book. Oh, I see you turning around. You it's have right it. There. It's like yes. one of my favorite Maxwell books. Yes. And it's, okay. I, it was a big eye opener for me. I really, I really enjoyed that book. And it's super simple and it's easy to read and it's got lots of application in it. And reading that chapter, she got tears tears streaming down her face. I had no idea how unaware I was. Mm -hmm. I said, but now you know, right? This is the encourager in me, but now you know, so let's take off, right? Um, So I think that's two pieces. But when you look at things like, like there's another um, assessment called the Clifton Strengths Survey. It's not super expensive. If you do, uh, I just think the simple one is like thirty or forty dollars. But um, it'll tell you what your strengths are as far as how you operate. And it's Strengths Finder is really good. But when you want something really simple that's truly scientific based, one hundred percent, DISC is one of those things that tells you how. And it will shock you because it takes about ten minutes to take the, the little assessment. Okay. And I've also had people say, "I thought those were the practice." <laughs> The practice questions like, no, no, you're done. You're good. Um, But it literally will tell you how you interact with other people. And then the Maxwell report is about 30 pages long and it will give you all the information you need. It'll tell you how other people see you, your value to the team because it's leadership focused. It gives you in this, it's called a power disc. It gives you seven areas of leadership where you already exceed, or maybe you need some challenges, work on some challenges. Um, And what we do as leaders and leadership coaches is we work with people, especially in teams to, we don't work on people's weaknesses. We don't work where people don't have a high aptitude. We take them and we put them in their area of strength and then we mitigate or we augment in order with the team to kind of help it work better. Like the women that work with me don't have my strengths. Thank goodness, because we would all be fighting for the limelight, right? Oh my God. You just hit something that I... I learned this one the hard way, as most of us learn our lessons the hard way, is when I had my very first partnership business, 
um, yeah, joined with friends and <laughs> yeah, we were very similar and very different and it didn't take long before I was like, oh, this was a terrible idea. I was surrounding myself with people like you should not be hiring people who are the exact same replica of you because then you're not like, you're not ever going to get anything done. No, you're not going to get anywhere, but that's a big mistake. A lot of women, men and women partnership, especially you start to partner with people who are exactly the same as you, or you right. bring in support. That's exactly the same as you. Well, because we think, oh, we think alike. Wait. That's a red flag. flag. (laughs) Very big red flag. If you think alike, then you need to go find somebody else. And I will say my best friend of 30 years, who is my podcast producer, and we see, we envision going long and hard in this business together, um, is nothing like me. And we think nothing alike. Beautiful. (laughs) And there are times in in, in our friendship where people have said to both of us, how are you friends? And, um, And that's the beauty of it, is that there is that difference of thinking and difference but back to the disc, it will give you um, a personal growth plan. <clears throat> it will tell you kind of where you might want to grow. And um, so I'll give you the links to all of that. You can do that on my website for like $49 and then you can get a, uh, it's, you know, so this is not expensive stuff, but there's things you can do free, right? There's the Myers-Briggs, you can do a free disc. It's just, I don't know that it's going to have all that information for you, but um, there's Enneagram, all of them. The more I learn about myself, the better I can show up for you. Because if I know who I am, I stand taller. I have like more weight in my feet um, and they're more planted And it just, it always helps to know myself. Now, I don't need to spend all of my time doing that because, you know, anything in extreme, quote, you know, Benjamin Franklin, um, anything in extreme, it's like everything in moderation, but at the same time, the more we learn, the more we know, and the more we know, the more we grow. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that because I think I agree. I, I completely am on the same page and I love everything that you're saying you know, from leading ourselves to um, to the awareness piece, to being intentional in our lives, like recognizing who we're surrounding ourselves with, learning more about ourselves, all these pieces. It just, what I want to ask you then, does everybody have a leader inside them? Oh, yes. Mm. Yes. Literally sitting in my Sunday school class yesterday. That's what I do. I teach Sunday school every Sunday Mm -hmm. and sitting there with this young woman who has three beautiful daughters and, um, you know, for us, we were not talking about leadership, but if you're in my class, you're going to get some of that anyway, just Mm -hmm. because that's who I am. And in there, this is beautiful. We had a lady who's like 85 and then this woman who's like 35. And so I love the beauty of the generations together because that's how we learn from each other. But one of the things she said was, it just never really occurred to me until recently that I'm a leader in my in my home. I'm a leader of these three young girls. It's like, yes, those are the young women of tomorrow. Those are the ones who, um, they are watching you for your example. And she's like, I know. And it just really kind of hit her hard. And that's not just for moms, right? I'm a mother, but I don't have any daughters. And so, like I said earlier, I tend to work with kind of millennial women Mm -hmm. who would be of the age of my daughter, if I'd had one at a kind of traditional age, I'm I'm an older mom, but Mm -hmm. um, being able to say, as we do what we do, that's what I say about intentional optimism. It's the attitudes and the mindsets, how we do what we do that help us do whatever it is we do with excellence. And it's not about, you know, making sure you follow all the rules. This is not a, um, this is not a structure. This is a plan and an, and a, a 
program or a, a process and a growth plan for how we think. And when we can approach life from this way of saying, I'm going to be a leader in everything that I do, I'm going to role model no matter who I'm in front of, it just changes the way you do things. It changes, it 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 changes your reactions when you're angry. It changes because that just that split second. Mm-hmm. Um I had another situation where I needed to walk away from a situation for about 20 minutes and let my heart rate go down and then was able to handle the conversation with grace and ease in a relationship respectful, restorative way. And um, but I wouldn't have been able to do that if I just fired off. So knowing that I have all those things in my head all the time saying, this is how I want to be. Doesn't mean that's how it pops up. Pops up is just normal. It's the talking the voice back down and moving forward. That's how we lead ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see the growth, right? That's where we can see. Oh. There are experiences I have sometimes and I watch and I'm like, oh, I would have done that differently a year or two ago. Like I've come a ways. Like I said, you just have to start to recognize those steps of growth Right. Just because somebody invites you to the argument doesn't mean you have to join. Right. You don't just because. And we had a counselor. My husband and I did counseling together um, back before my surgery. And then I had a counselor throughout my entire surgery. So that's another plug. I love working with gastric bypass patients, too, because I think that um, it's become a very common surgery. I'm just going to go on this little tangent. It's a very common surgery and nobody's putting counseling in there anymore and nobody's addressing the fact that we don't get to be for me 310 pounds for no reason right mm-hmm. um and i'm not even 52 y'all so if you're not ch- catching this on video i'm a very petite person mm-hmm. um so um it, our counselor that back to that um literally said just because so and so walks in your door and sets their baggage down doesn't mean you have to pick it up just because they pushed it across the table to you doesn't mean you need to receive it. You can push it right back. And those little visual object lessons have helped both of us throughout the years. Um, You know, as a pastor, it's really easy to get right in the middle of somebody else's mess and to kind of take on their situation. And he's learning, he's had to learn to just push it back. This is you. This is not me. And, um, I think that's just a really important piece of it. That's a huge piece. And for anybody who's listening, um, that that's a, that's a, can be a challenging one where you're dealing with parents or you're dealing with kids, right? It's like, mm-hmm. if, if we're going to create change at any level, I believe a big part of it is picking up the bags that are yours, not everyone else's bags, right? Like that's a, that is such a big piece. And it's interesting because I had this conversation this weekend with um, someone who thanked me for believing in them and not trying to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, the old me would have been in with, these are all the steps you have to do. (laughs) And I'm just so And we're smart, capable women. Of course we can tell them what to do. Right. Why don't they, why don't (laughs) I just tell them? Because then it will be easier for them to do it. Meanwhile, that's like based on my perspective, not theirs. And it was such an an eye opener that it was like, you know, I just want to share this piece for anybody who's listening in the sense that you can actually be more effective by doing and saying less your job isn't to fix it, right? Like you can Mm -hmm. actually empower them to lead themselves. And I just watched this unfold firsthand. And it was like, 
huh, I'm going to actually put that down as evidence for myself for the next time when I think I have to step in and give Mm. the answer. It's let them have that moment to figure that out themselves because that's where lasting change comes from, right? It's their decision, their their choices that are going to make that change. And we want people to buy in. We want people to, that's the words we use, right? We want them to buy into this. We want them to have ownership. It's like, well, then shut up, (laughs) right? (laughs) Just stop talking. And I I had to learn this as a manager. I've I've had some hard conversations and I had a hard conversation yesterday and I learned being a manager that a lot of times if you just let somebody just keep talking and you might need to drop something in there every so often. Okay, well, I don't know that that was yours to do, or I'm not sure that that's the answer you're looking for. <laughs> Little Jedi, what do you think about that? that? What do you think about what that? What do you think about that? Or how do you feel when that happens? Mm-hmm. And just allow them to just keep talking. They will figure it out. And that's what happened with my staff. And I just credit, literally, I was sharing the friend. I said, if I hadn't learned that with my staff, I wouldn't have been able to have this conversation yesterday where this other person was able to go, Oh, I see where you're going there. I think that I could have done it this way better. I'm like, thank you. And I didn't even have to say yes or no or whatever. It was just, thank you for being willing to evaluate it. Now we'll move on because it's important to have that communication open and to let them know, I respect you as a grown person and you're going to do your own thing and I'm doing mine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it's all hard. <laughs> I honestly, I love all of this conversation because I, I just deep down at the core believe like we, we want women to be able to lead and lead themselves. Mm-hmm. They can create an impact. They can do these things. They sometimes they just need that little bit of belief, that little bit of an insight, mm-hmm. that little bit of a support and that the ripple effect can be huge, like absolutely oh. huge. We're, I don't even think we're really even tapping into that yet. I think we're seeing it, but I think we've barely touched what's available yet. And you never know, like you didn't know how you helping that client or friend, whoever that was. Um, I actually, as a hiring manager, because I was hiring for administrative assistance, saw a lot of resumes come across my desk. And there was one girl that was a lawyer and she was applying for this job. And I'm like, I have to meet her. (laughs) And so I did. And I'm like, I have to tell you, you are so overqualified for this job. I can't imagine you would even stay here two weeks. I am not going to hire you. And she's like, oh well, then why did you interview me? And I said, because you are made for so much more. Let's see where we could plug you in. And she eventually got a job in HR with OSHA, as an OSHA specialist and all that kind of stuff, which I'm like, yes, that's where you need to be. She used me as a reference. She, she wow. said, you became a mentor for me in the 30 minutes that we met about a job I was never going to get. Beautiful. And I thought that's how you, you, you know, and that was just me being me. Mm-hmm. I was just curious, why is this lawyer coming to talk to me? Well, on a meter, you know, and just being willing to be who you were created to be and do it in the service of other people is going to make an impact. And the more we allow the world to shut us down, the more we allow our fear of what other people think about us, keep us quiet. And I'm speaking to myself. There's plenty that I have been quiet about. And granted, there's some things that are on brand. I'm just not going to be talking about politics. It's just not going to happen. You know, it's just not. And um, yet there are things that I still am struggling with and learning and constantly working through um, and being able to say, you know what? This one has to go on a shelf for a little while. It's a little too big. My brain just can't handle it. Maybe in a month when I've grown a little more, we'll get there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just having that awareness, being willing to say, I can do this. 
I'm going to do this and I'm going to bring others along with me because it's worth it. Mm. Women are worth it. Y'all oh. we're 50% of the planet for crying out loud, or maybe <laughs> even more. Well, and it, it, if I could just have one quick thing that hit me was when we were saying this, like we are talking about the ripple effect of um, inspiring and leading women to lead themselves. There's also a ripple effect of inspiring and leading like men to lead themselves in different ways. And yes. I don't think that was like, like this was something that I actually firsthand got to hear Lewis House speak. And when I heard Lewis speak, he basically, he was phenomenal. And it was at a women's conference. So there was like 600. There was no man in the room. He was the only one speaking. He's the only one. And when it was done, I actually went up to meet him. And I was one of the first people in line because I just knew in my gut. And I explained like my story in a brief way and thanked him for what he was just how he really hit me that day. And he said, you know, this is something that we, for some reason, we think like women influence women and men influence men. He said, we're missing some of the boat. He goes, we're leaving so many males behind because they're not in this environment, learning and growing together. But what I can do as a man is I can inspire the moms here of boys to lead them, like let them lead themselves. And it was just this moment of, yes. So I think the leadership, it goes, it, it has such a opportunity to span so far, not just in our own genders. And I'm the first to admit that um, we all have pendulum swings, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a friend, because I say, well, the pendulum will swing back. And my friend says, well, actually, you're probably going to climb up the pendulum a little bit. So it just won't feel like it's swinging as much. Oh, <laughs> um, that isn't that beautiful? Yeah. My friend, yeah. Lee McCraw-Levitch, she's also a coach. I can't take credit for that one. But um, I'm a mom of one child and he is a boy. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want him to fall into the trap of this toxic masculinity. Now no. I have a husband who doesn't fit in that mold either. So that's, we work together in that area, but um, you know, he's still in the public school system and he's still getting these things in, um, in YouTube and wherever and um, being able to, yes, speak into him. But for me, my job right now feels very feminine mm -hmm. centered very feminist centered. Um, who knows? It may swing back and, and I might open up to men later. I've just spoke with another woman who that's, that was her path is that she started with women. Now she works with everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, because it is so interesting to me hearing people like Jason Baldoni, um, say, you know, where, where, where were the men that we needed to help us be this way instead of that way. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to do that. But at the same time, I, I have that responsibility in my home. And I think partly I'm just learning how to do that in my home. I drive him to school every day and he gets coached all the way to school. Oh yeah. And, you know, it's like, if one word could describe how you want to show up today, what's it going to be? What are you excited about? What, you know, what are your potential challenges? Let's talk about oh. what intentions you're going to set. And he's, he's just eating it up right now. And, you know, he's, he's going to be 14 in December. So I, I like middle schoolers. They're still moldable. Um, so I figure I'll just kind of put all this in there the opportunity mm -hmm. because once he hits the high school, 15, 16, I know there will be a cognitive change. There will be a developmental change where he's like, could you stop talking? Um, so I'm taking advantage of it while I can, but I completely agree. Yeah. They're, yeah. they, they will circle back around though in ways. Cause I, I like, I mean, for the longest time, we did, was, right. 
Yeah, we did. We did. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, it's like, even with my, my son would say, I'd be like, you should read this, like do that. And in, if I, if I suggested, no, yeah. if, and it wasn't that much longer, like it was a, a year or so ago when I got a message saying, mom, could you recommend some books for personal development? Cause I really think, and I'm like, sure. I'd love to like, my I, this list saved. <laughs> I have this list that I've given you four times. Here you go. <laughs> Just be kind and don't, don't forward it after just like redo it, cut and paste. Yep. Yep. It does not matter. This is not a time to prove that you were right. This is not, not going to serve anything. So, oh, I absolutely love this conversation. Um, I know that we will continue to have more conversations. Where's the best place for people to connect, follow you and learn more. I will have lots of links in the show notes for everyone. Sure. And I have a nice little links page, which gives you everything. So that'll be in the show notes. My, the intentional optimist.com is my website from there. You can find me on, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. I actually am becoming more and more focused on LinkedIn, partially because of the women that I kind of serve and the institutions that I serve. Um, But Instagram, TikTok, all of it. We were talking earlier about YouTube. Um, you've just recently been on my guest speaker series, which is mm-hmm. all on YouTube. And it's just a, a lot of fun. I'm all over Facebook too. So I'm kind of everywhere. Kind of everywhere. I, I just I just like it. It's just fun. <laughs> well, and if you can keep it fun, then that is actually when a lot of the, like, that's when it gets easy. It's when we're trying to force it yeah. to happen, right? To happen. Yeah. You and I were just talking about how we're on TikTok, which if you would have told me a couple of years ago, I'd be doing that. Yeah. I'd be like, not <laughs> a chance, not a chance. Over my I, dead body. No, like, not at all. <laughs> we're on there now. Like there's all ages, there's all ages. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it actually is, if you just have fun, don't have any expectations, like don't have any expectations, your messages can land with different people. So this is all part of the growth, but yes, we were having a good laugh. Definitely. You definitely need to curate your feed. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 No. Cause yeah. There's some things I'm like, no, 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 don't want to see. This. <laughs> but there's some really good kids out there. I'm just calling them kids. There's one dude that's like a high school senior about ready to graduate who is he's millions and millions of followers and he's a TikTok specialist. And um, maybe I'll share his stuff, but uh, I share his things with my son because my son wants to be like a YouTuber. So I'm like, this dude makes millions of dollars a year as a high school senior, but he does a day in the life and he shows how he's going to class and he's doing all of his work. Oh, I love that. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So I'm using it against him. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, well, you know, I've, I have loved this conversation and everything, like I said, everything will be in the show notes. People will be able to reach out and connect with you. I have one more question for you and it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? What lesson in life am I most grateful for? Gosh, I hate it when guests do that. They repeat the question back because they don't have an answer yet. Um, it happens almost every episode, so it's all good. I I, I think today... I would say the lesson that um, I actually do have a message mm-hmm. and that it, it may not be for everybody, um, but I was born with it and I was created to do it. And um, my favorite Bible verse is Ephesians 2.10, where he talks about, I created you beforehand to do specific things in Christ Jesus. And so for me to be able to see that and to be able to say, and I even have it on my phone, it says, I'm free to be me. And um, that just tells me I have been created just like I am. I don't have to be anybody else. And that's good. It's not just okay. It's good. And it helps people. And I think that learning that has been a really 
you've heard some of my stuff. <laughs> I went through some hard lessons to learn that, but I think that's my favorite. Mm, that's a beautiful message for everyone. And whatever work you can do on yourself to allow yourself to be yourself, I think is really powerful. Thank you. So that's work mm-hmm. for being here. Seriously. Thank you. I love talking to you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.